Well, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 194 of Business of Design. You are in the right place, you fabulous interior design professional, you. And we are talking to someone who really gets how challenging your work is because she entered this business. Virginie Martok is her name, by the way. She entered this business after first working in publishing at a shelter interior design magazine. And In her own words, she said she only saw happy relationships between interior design professionals and clients because at the point a designer is getting published, the client, of course, had been happy. It was quite a shock to her when she started accepting clients of her own to discover, yeah, what I say all the time, it's 80% business and only 20% creative, and the 20% is the easy part. When I schedule a version E for the podcast, my initial thought is we would talk about the publishing world and how much it's changed. And we will do that. In fact, that'll be a later podcast. But we morphed into a conversation about what Virginie has learned from the best client she's had so far. And then what are those lessons she's learned from the most challenging clients or client experiences? I do believe I've learned the most from the most challenging clients and most challenging client experiences, no doubt about it. So as you're listening, think back to your best moments with clients and your worst moments with clients, because that is some really important information that you want to evaluate. And then you want to create systems to make sure you do more of the things that produce the great result and less of the things that produced the not so great result. We're going to check in with Cheryl Horn. She's going to tell us about Business of Design live virtual meetups that are happening once a month now where we are going to put you in the spotlight. You're going to share what you've learned with everyone in the community and we're going to be able to see each other's faces and hear each other's suggestions and become a true support community to one another. This month, we have three amazing Business of Design members. They're going to be sharing on the topic of I'm over it. Like I am over not planning meals. I was doing really well planning all of our food and cooking so much at the beginning. And then I kind of fell off the wagon in September. And the result is some meal choices that weren't nearly as good as the previous month. So I'm over that. More importantly, though, we want to focus on business and what people are over with in 2020. So that's this month. And then next month, we have an interior design professional from New York City, Darcy Heather, who's going to be sharing a cocktail recipe. And you are free to make the recipe along with the rest of us and start drinking early in the day. Why not? We're not judging. And then we want to hear what each of you thinks is your New Year's resolution in terms of your business. What are you looking for? What are you planning on? What are you committed to in 2021? BOD Live is replacing regular monthly group coaching, which we found was getting kind of stale or shaking things up or opening up the mic because you guys have great suggestions as well. But we will from time to time answer those questions you have about your business. It's members only. It's free with your membership. We can't thank you enough for your support. And I need you guys because client projects are a little kooky right now. So believe me, I'm there to learn just like everybody else. Let's check in with the fabulous Cheryl Horn now, shall we? Thank you so much for being here. Well, hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Did you go trick-or-treating? Is that a thing? Was that a thing this year? You know what? It's, 
I think it's still, a, we didn't. Um, I think it's still a thing it's sort of, you know, frowned upon. And I found last year it was raining a little bit and we walked so far and did so few houses with the kids. I feel like this year would be less. So what we actually did was we had um, the kids' cousins over and we did a backyard sort of a treasure hunt. So we, they, we did it at night. The kids all had flashlights. We hid candies everywhere. And they were super excited to do that. We kind of gave them the option to let them know, like, if we go trick-or-treating, there might not be that many houses, but we can go. Um, but they were super excited to do that. So, you know, still a backyard visit. They got to see their cousins. We were all outside in their costumes and the grownups dressed up too. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, so we did, so that's what we did instead. So it was fun. It was, you know, definitely a different night, but awesome. Yeah. I think there's certain ways that this horrible pandemic is pushing us all to be more creative and have fun doing things we might not have otherwise done. So good. I'm glad to hear it. What's happening at Business of Design? Well, this week we're doing our first BOD Live, our virtual meeting. So, um, you know, I've, I've tried to post everywhere that we are switching over to meetings instead of webinars. We're so used to, you know, everyone only seeing us and then everyone else is just sort of a list of names. But we are asking you to open up your video and your audio. We want to see faces. We want, uh, you know, everyone to feel free to contribute. We've got three of our longtime members joining us, Jamie Calapo. Rebecca Ward and Christopher Shields. So they're going to be helping us, you know, jumpstart the conversation on what they're over with for 2020. It's been a very long year. We are closing in on the end, but I'm sure it feels like a very long year. So, well, I'm excited to start learning from this incredibly wise community because these are three members, as you say, who've already implemented everything, who are just on fire building amazing, incredible businesses. And you all have so much to share. So we're putting the spotlight on you guys. It's going to be peer-to-peer coaching. And I would put a business of design live virtual meetup event over any expensive coaching you might be considering. So before you do something drastic like that, come and meet the community. I think you'll find what you need right here. And I, for one, am very excited to be part of the, well, I guess it's going to be a celebration of success, isn't it? Because we all can look back and see how far we've come. And uh, it'll be nice that people can open up the microphone and we'll be able to see each other's faces. I miss everybody. I know, I know. And I, you know what, it's, it's actually been really nice since launch. I've, I have been in touch with so many members that uh, maybe I hadn't talked to in a little while, just, um, you know, reaching out with the new website and, you know, the new changes and everything like that. So I've actually been hearing from so many members and getting in touch. And I actually just got an amazing email um, from Lindsay Chelberg, who um, our community might know. She's been on the podcast a long time, long time business of design um, member and advocate. And she had sent me an email that said, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for all your hard work over there at business of design. I am loving the new content. Before finding the podcast, I didn't know what a PL was, and my consultations were free. Last year, my profit increased by $20,000 only just from charging for the consultation, and that's almost doubled this year, even with three months of not providing consultations. And it's been really exciting and motivating. Um, wow. So thank you, Lindsay. That's we're getting a lot of those emails, and it's it's really amazing because it's been such a long few months gearing up for this, and um, you know the internal conversations about all the new changes and everything, and making so many decisions. And it uh, feels good to get this now to know that we're 
on the right track with everything. But look at Lindsay, isn't that incredible? You do know there's a pandemic, right? There's a bit of a world crisis at the moment and you've managed to double your income again this year, which is really exciting despite taking three months off. So it works, everybody. You are not unique. You are not special in any way. It just works no matter how crazy it feels for you. Or, you know, I could relate to Lindsay not knowing what a P&L was. I was like, Procter & Gamble? Wait, what is that? I don't know. Anyway, so good. Thank you for sharing that, Cheryl. I'm really looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday and seeing everybody else. So be there, everybody. BOD Live. Yes. If you're joining us for BOD Live, um, all you have to do is sign into your uh, Business of Design account and write in your member dashboard, there's going to be a button to join us live. It's going to be that easy and we are sending out reminders. But Wednesday, November 4th at 1 p.m. EST, uh, we hope to see you all there. Do you know I didn't know that? You can now be in your member dashboard and you can join live right from there? Yeah. Yeah, no more Zoom. I mean, it is still through Zoom. So you need that Zoom account. If you're brand new to joining us and you haven't used Zoom, you will need, you know, you will be prompted to set up that account and everything like that. But instead of receiving, you know, all of the email reminders and everything like that through Zoom, you're going to be hearing from me personally. And then, um, yeah, it's just, it's right through your account now. It makes it really easy. You can sign up the day before if you're not yet a member, but you're really excited and you want to join us, see some friendly faces. Um, (laughs) One day, you know what? Simple. So one day when we have a moment to breathe, you're going to walk me through the new site and show me all the cool things it can do. I feel like I'm discovering (laughs) things along with members, but I'm so happy you're in charge. I don't want to know right now. I've got too many client things going on right now, but I'm, I'm thrilled. It's so good. Thank you so much, Cheryl. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Virginie, nice to see you. Virginie, I should say. Bonjour, comment ça va, comment ça va, Virginie, Virginie, comment ça va, <laughs> how are you? Bonjour, Kimberly, I'm great, how are you? Uh, uh, tr- I would say très, très bien, but no, not that's not true. How am I? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just working all the time, and we were kind of reminiscing before we started recording the podcast that it's been six months that we've kind of been in lockdown, that's sort of shocking, where has six months gone? I feel like we're in a weird time vortex. I can't really mark the passage of time anymore. And then you sit back and you think six months, what? Right. It's strange. It's been a strange six months for sure. Right. Shouldn't I have learned to play piano or something by now? I don't know. Like that seems like a lot of time to be able to. We all had goals. I signed signed up for masterclass. I was going to learn all sorts of things. The art of negotiating was one of them. I still didn't take it. Right. Exactly. 
Oh, dear. Well, okay. We're still a work in progress. I think that's fair to say. Virginie and I worked together at an interior design magazine. And so I wanted you to come on the podcast because you're one of those people who's had the experience of working both as a an interior design professional in the publishing world, but also as an interior design professional with real clients. So those two skill sets uh, are a pretty powerful combination. How do you find the transition from being someone who worked behind the lens of a camera in a publication and then actually having real life clients? Was there a life lesson that happened to you right away as you took your first client on? Yeah, it's a sales job. It's not, it, I mean, decorating, I think you said this to me at some point early on, like decorating is part of it, but it's a very small part of it. Running a business is what you're doing. And that was really like a bit of a shocker because when you're working in magazines, or at least when I used to work in magazines, I would be around all these fancy designers and I just saw the end product. I saw the beautiful house. I saw the happy client. And you only ever saw the relationships that had gone well and the sales jobs that had closed and everybody was happy, right? But when you step out of that and you're in the trenches of in being in the middle of a job and things aren't going well and that's that was a bit of a shocker. Like the reality of design is far less glamorous than the photos of design, which doesn't mean it's not fun. It's totally fun, but um, it's a process. Well, and social media has not helped that disconnect at all, right? It's made it so much worse because you see beautiful, you know, person, gorgeous image, you know, posing in front of the, you know, $12,000 sofa. And you just make up a whole story about what that person's going on. All her clients love her. All her clients buy $12,000 sofas. And the reality is she may have no clients, none, zero, or have two clients who are really angry with her. Yeah. And it it might be her house. It's probably her house or she's rented it. That's the other thing. Like I was kind of shocked to discover in Los Angeles, so many of the beautiful iconic homes get rented all the time by Instagram people who are just use it for a day to take photos. So that makes me realize that a lot of what you're seeing on social media is styling. It's not designing. Like styling is just creating a cute little vignette that lives in its little bubble, but design is a very three-dimensional process. When you're taking photos, it's a two-dimensional process. So those are very different skills, like going to a, you know, a store, buying a bunch of pillows and then returning them, it's completely different than working with the client and making sure all the pieces work together and the scale and the pieces you choose are durable and appropriate for that family. Like Those things don't translate in photos so much. Well, I know you do beautiful work. I've seen your work published and I've seen homes that you've done work in. In fact, what are what would you say are the top three things you've learned from your best clients? If there were takeaways that you now go, okay, these amazing clients taught me these things and I'm always going to be aware of these three things. Oh, three. Okay. Um... My best clients are, um, I, th- I think the first one, which I wouldn't have considered, but is to be really firm and um, firm with your opinion and not wishy-washy. Like when I first started off, I just really wanted people to be happy and I still want people to be happy. But um, if you, if, I found that if I let them 
influenced me too much, it took away my authority and then it took away the trust they had in me. And so putting your foot down early and saying, I value your feedback, I hear what you're saying, but in my experience, this is the right way to go because, and, and maybe you don't have to be that nice. Maybe you just say, no, this is what we're doing. But I think that's hard for people who are starting in the business because you're selling something that's sort of intangible, like it's your advice. Um, the harder you stand behind what you're saying, the easier the relationship will be down the road. When I first started out, I was such a people pleaser and I would give them three or four options because I wanted them to see how hard I worked and how yeah. you know much insight I had and how much effort I put into it. But I would see the client's face and they were just confused. And I found over and over again, they would say, well, what would you do, Kimberly? I finally realized that's right. all they want to know. So just go to what, what would you do, Virginie, right? That's all right. they want to know. Tell me what to do. I mean, that's why you were hired. So it, it's like, it's not a despotism, but it's an enlightened despotism. <laughs> you know, it's not a democracy. Yeah, only one of you knows how to run a design business. Only one of you has expertise in interior design. So how, how about we yeah. go with the person who knows what she's talking about in this scenario? Yeah, okay, good. So that's a really good one. That, yeah, it's funny that that's a tough one, but that's, a, that's one that everyone learns sooner or later. Um, I think talking about money early also makes for good relationships. And that's another one that people shy away from that I certainly shied away from. And I'm still somewhat uncomfortable sometimes. But, you know, if it means you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am worth this amount of money <laughs> and go out on the day wearing that hat, that's important because um, not to put this along gender lines, but I sometimes I would feel like only women would put up with this. Only women would go out there, work so hard, give away all this stuff and not expect to be paid and feel guilty about asking for money. So that's, you know, maybe that's just my old school thinking, but there, it's important to be upfront about money and remember that it's a business. And so again, you're the one who said like nothing before the contract is signed. Like we're not going out to the store cause it'll be fun together until that contract is signed. That's really solid advice. And it makes not for a confrontational relationship but for a really smooth relationship. What helped me so much is getting everything to do with money into my contract so that I could hide behind that contract. It gave me paper courage, right? The more uncomfortable it is to talk about the thing, the more important it is to put that thing in your contract, really clearly spell it out so a third grader will understand it. Yeah. So that was another good one. What's the third thing you've learned from your best clients? <sighs> I don't know if I can translate into a lesson, but when I think back of the clients I, I enjoyed the most, we had fun together. Like we, it's, it's fun for them. Like as much as for us, it's work for them. This is really fun. They're getting to live out their dream of making their dream kitchen or, and it's, it's fun and it's stressful. And so if you can bring like sort of friendship and, and levity to the situation, I, that's always made for really great relationships down the road. And, and lots of people that I actually have stayed in touch with and who continue coming back to me all the time and saying, do you mind if we, if we just go out and spend a couple hours poking around a store together? Like that's good business. And it's also makes for a really enjoyable relationship. So I don't know if that's like hard and fast number three rule, but it's almost like if I, if I got a bad feeling from the person right at the first interview, interview and and things were weird and we didn't click and we couldn't laugh together it was not going to be a good relationship yeah and it's really as you get established and you have a lot of work and you're super busy it can be easy to say no to those kinds of jobs but 
we also understand yes. that if you're not at capacity, if you're new to the business, if you need another paycheck, you're going to take that job, but at least you'll take it eyes wide open and be aware of what you've stepped yeah. into. Yeah. Because when you're meeting people, that's usually the best that you're going to see them. <laughs> Right. That's as good as it gets. Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. And you know what? You're at your peak power at that moment. So if you continue to give away true. your power in that relationship by the end, um, at least I found my self-esteem was in the tank. So I have to be yeah. really firm at the beginning of the relationship and say, absolutely not. This is going to work my way or it's not going to work at all. And I appreciate the time yeah. that we spent together, but I'm moving on. I think that can be really hard when you're starting out, especially if you're starting out as a younger person. Sometimes when you've had other jobs, you're used to, you know, standing your ground. Uh, and you you definitely have to take jobs that are somewhat uncomfortable. But as you said, eyes wide open helps to navigate the future trouble. All right. So and there's not always trouble. <laughs> Speaking of future trouble, <laughs> you know, I'm going to ask you, I asked you, what did you learn from your three best clients? So now I need to know, what did you learn from your three worst clients? I think these are going to seem obvious because they're the flip side of everything I just said. So um, anytime I worked with a client whom I didn't get along with during the interview, ended up being a terrible relationship. Um, so not trusting my gut on people. What did you mean didn't get along with though? Were there red flags that you saw or was it just an attitude or were they trying to negotiate or dictate terms? What was it about that interaction that left you feeling like this is probably somebody I shouldn't work with? Yeah, I mean, some of it is is gut feeling because I think sometimes as creatives, we operate, you know, with this other sense. But, but sometimes it's just like... Um, an unpleasant interaction between the husband and wife, for example. Mm. And you're like, oh, this is going to be weird because I'm not sure who's in charge here. That can translate to a very weird relationship. Um, trying to negotiate on price where you realize the person is going to be driven always in every decision by price, which is not always the right way to go. And sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. Um, or just, you know, the person's not very open. Like it's not somebody I would want to chit chat with that's going to be hard because you do spend a lot of time together yeah I, I would say somebody who balks at your client at your contract somebody who's sorry I don't know like this never oh a ringing phone that must mean it's time to hear from our sponsor as an interior design professional, you've got great taste and your clients trust you to create stunning spaces, which include, of course, practical and gorgeous window coverings, like the shutters, shades, and blinds you'll find at Blind Chalet. To help you make it all come together easily while enjoying great savings, Blind Chalet has an interior designer program. That's right. Members receive priority pricing, access to a vast inventory and an assigned design consultant to personally handle your account, help you find the right product for each client, and keep an eye on your orders from start to finish. The affiliate program means additional opportunities to maximize your bottom line. We all like that. Visit blindchalet.com backslash design to learn more today. And by the way, you can use the promo code design55 to receive 55% off your first order. Wow. 
That's blindchalet.com backslash design. And I want to say thank you, Blind Chalet, for supporting Business of Design's podcast and for supporting this amazing community. Let's see if Virginie's phone has stopped ringing and continue the conversation on what we've learned from our best and worst client experiences. There we go. Okay. You have a real phone. Somebody who I know, and I apparently don't know how to turn it off because I never <laughs> use it. I don't know. It's probably China telling me I owe them money. <laughs> There's some 20-year-old right? listening right now going, what is that sound? What could possibly make a noise like that? <laughs> right. That's a phone. It's not vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. It's not always obvious at that first meeting. It's There are times when you take that job and you, you think about, you think you've got someone who's going to be awesome and super fun to work with. And then you find, you find out later that, oh no, not at all. This was, they, they really put on their best game face for the consultation and it's all gone now. Yeah. Those, those things happen Yeah, and that's okay. And you work through it and you have an assistant or a partner can do most of the FaceTime with that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, what, what else have you learned? I, you know, I've found my worst clients have actually taught me the most. Yeah. Um, I just got out of a, a difficult job and, and I was a bit shell shocked by it. So I'm, I'm trying to remember <laughs> what specifically was the most shell shocking. Okay. I know. Um, Indecisive clients make bad clients. So um, somebody who can't make up their mind very quickly is going to be very, very hard to work with because they may sign off on something and then a day later say, no, 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 I was up all night on Instagram and on Pinterest and I actually want to change it completely. Like, So if you can find some sort of a test or a way to measure um, people who are... Um, what's the word I'm looking for, who, who can't make up their minds, that would be a good thing to do. And, and maybe if you know that you have somebody who's really insecure in their decision-making um, to build in like a week or so, because you know that that's coming. So I had a job that was about a two or three year job. And I eventually learned about eight months into the process that every decision that was signed off on, I needed to give it a five day buffer because it was going to do a full circle. And we were going to have to explore every option after sign off to get back to where we started. Some of the things that have helped me with clients like that, well, first of all, tightening up my process so there's no time for flip-flopping is, is great. But also, I find there's two levers we can pull with clients who can't make a decision. One is time and one is money. So for that client who wants to flip-flop, you can say, absolutely, we can go backwards and you can expect mm -hmm. to add another month or two to this project. Or we mm -hmm. can go backwards and you can expect to add 5000 more $5,000 additional to your design fees, or you can trust me and you should do exactly what I said. I'm, I, I'm not, I haven't changed my mind. I think we should do exactly what we agreed to. Um, but ultimately you're the boss. And, um, you know, if you want this project to take four years, that's great. We're here for you and you will be highly profitable for us. Right. And, and that's hitting it exactly right on the head. Like you just spell it out and tell people exactly what they're in for. And then they have all the information, right. And then they can make the decision, which for some people is really important to be the decision maker. Um, so as long as they understand all the variables involved, I, I think those are two good, yeah, two good levers, as you pointed, that's a good way to try to explain to people the consequence of their, um, 
inability to make a decision. Well, the other thing that can be helpful if a client is signed off on something, which means giving you a deposit for it, and you've placed that order, then restocking fees can kick in. So you're like, absolutely. If you don't want the sofa that we just ordered for you, let me reach out to the manufacturer and find out what the restocking fee is. Oh, it's 40% of the value of the sofa. How do you feel about it now? You know, like, I don't know what to tell you, but it's ordered. It's done. Moving on. I find sometimes that clients just want you to assure them that they've made the right choice. And if you'll stick to it, if you'll say, no, don't change this, you'll be sorry. It's the wrong way to go. Often they'll acquiesce and let you lead. Yeah, that's good advice to, um, because maybe they're just testing to see how firm you are and how much you believe in what you're saying, rather than just putting their foot down or wanting to be in charge. They're just like wanting to be a hundred percent sure that you're sure. And if you're sure that it's a go. So that's a, a good point that you just double down on what you're saying. That reminds me of when I'm on a flight and you guys probably do this too. You're on a flight and there's some terrible turbulence. You always look to the flight attendant and you, you say, is that, is that person okay? If she's okay or he's okay, then I'm fine. Um, and that works right. all the time, except for I did have one flight from New York to Toronto where this, it was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. The flight attendant was curled up in a ball crying. Like that's how bad it was. Oh. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Can I speak to the pilot, please? No, it was so bad. It's and the pilot bad. made no announcements at all. The plane was completely out of control. So they were busy trying to keep us flying. And, um, you know, I did my usual, I looked to the flight attendant, she's curled up in a ball crying. I'm saying to my husband, we're going to die. And he's saying, no, we're going to be fine. But his hand, he's, there's sweat running down my arm and his yeah, arm. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's bad. Anyway, sorry. That was a creepy story to, to sneak in there. With everybody. No, I mean, it made me think like of the Titanic going down and the band playing. Is that, are some construction jobs like that where the Titanic is going down? And you're still playing the band. Yeah, I would say it's fair to say that there are jobs like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number three, I'm not letting you off the hook. No, no, I had a really good number three. Okay, number three is um, clients always underestimate the scope of the job. Always. Always. Um, it's good for business. But I've gotten so many big jobs from people saying, I just did a couple hours of consults. And you're like, Great. So the consult is going to be this amount of money. And then really it ends up being you're charging for a consult while getting a new client, which is great because at the end of the consult, they realize, actually, I don't just need to do this and this. It's a whole thing. So, um, yeah, they yeah. always underestimate. Uh, for sure. And it's funny because we meet so many designers who say, well, I have a minimum. I don't go out unless it's $150,000 for the job. And I'll say, I always say, I'll go out anytime they want to buy a consultation, pretty much I will go because the client who says they have just a tiny little powder room to decorate, usually once you're there says, oh, you know what? We were also thinking of adding a family room to the back of the house. And suddenly the tiny little powder room is a whole renovation, right? So we don't have a minimum that we state up front. I just go to the consultation yeah. and figure it out. I actually really like consultations too. Like they're a very legitimate source of income because you can charge quite a lot hourly. You're in and out. Everyone's happy. No one feels like they've overspent. Um, and so, you know, every time I need like a cash injection, I'll just try to go out and look for a few consults. Can I ask you what you <laughs> charge for your consultation? 
I charge $500 for two hours, which is probably not enough, but it's a rate that I'm comfortable with. Well, uh, how would you feel about $750? Yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah. I don't do a ton of it, but you know, I'd get nice boots for $750. Seven, a nicer purse. Well, yeah, exactly. And $750, I think, would actually lure a more enticing client as well, right? Like, I think of that consultation fee as being a pre qualifier. Is this somebody who could actually afford me yeah. for a project? Because if, if they can't, then I don't really want to go to the consultation so much. Yeah, yeah. The consultation is, is very much like a design light. You get to meet the person, you get a sense of their bankroll, you get a sense of whether you get along. It's it's a good uh, it's a good way to grow your business. Yeah, and if you go for free, you're establishing some ground rules that are gonna be really difficult to undo down the road, right? The consultation is should okay should kind of broadcast your value, broadcast your expertise. And then it will attract the clients who want that. And I, I just keep saying this over and over again. I'm totally obsessed with, I want to get a neck lift. Virginie's looking at me on Zoom right now. Like, see, I totally want to get a neck lift. I would not go out and look for the cheapest plastic surgeon out there, right? I would go out and I would find the person whose fee was seemed really high, but they were expert in neck lifts. And I would just suck it up and I would pay that. Well, it's funny because you understand quickly that pricing and marketing are sort of the same thing. And there's a perception of value that comes with uh, your price. And so just like my my sister used to work in Ikea and she'd say their biggest marketing tool is their pricing because where you price a product tells everybody who you are. So it's the same with, with design and, and a service that you're offering. That is so perfectly said. I'm not even going to ask you for a design intervention because that is it. Pricing and marketing <laughs> go together. They go together like Shannon and Elena. What is that song? Kadinga da ding da dong. Remember that song? Unfortunately, one bad client experience can do a lot of damage and ultimately I had to face the fact that I'm hundred percent responsible for everything that happens in my company. And so it's worthwhile looking back at those bad experiences and figuring out what are the things I'm going to change about my method of working and my business model. So I never find myself in that position again. Right. Yeah, you're right. You learn a lot from a negative experience. Hopefully you get out of the relatively unscathed and it doesn't take too much of your time. And then you just, you know, I had to, after some really bad ones, lick my wounds a little bit, take a little bit of time to, because it's creative, right? Even though you're running a business, it is at the core of creative business. And if you've been undermined and second guessed the whole time, like I lost my mojo a little bit. So I had to take a little bit of time off and um, meditate <laughs> and do some yoga yeah, and get my, um, you know, my get up and go back before I could get back on the horse. And speaking of get up and go, you also have a side hustle, or maybe it's become a huge main hustle now, but I love the concept of your cookbook business. Tell everybody what you do and what that is. And it's such a great resource. I have this adorable business that allows people to build family cookbooks. So they take all their family memoirs of growing up around grandma's kitchen table and eating her pie. And and so you add the photos and the story of the pie and the recipe, and then uh, you build your book online and then just 
decide what type of book you want, like a hardcover book or a coil bound book or whatever, how many you want. And we print them and ship them. And we do thousands and thousands and thousands of books. And all those people write to me and say, we opened the box and everybody sat around and cried and remembered grandma. And, and as much as I'm in the cookbook business, I feel like I'm in, in like the Hallmark business. Like I'm just helping people preserve these incredible memories. So for half of my life, I designed these beautiful kitchens and the other half of my life, I help people remember all the moments in their kitchen. <laughs> it's sort of a perfect tie-in. It's really beautiful. Tell everybody the name of the website and how they can check it out. Yeah, so it's heritagecookbook.com. And um, just go there. You'll see a lovely photo of me smiling and making pie with my daughter. And um, it's a great Christmas gift. It's a great Mother's Day gift. It's a great graduation, wedding gift. Um, We've got lots of small caterers and restaurants making books for their customers. So, you know, anything from one book to 10,000 books, we're ready to print them for you. And it's all very DIY and easy, all done online. So fun. I absolutely am going to do this. My mother-in-law is originally from Hungary and a lot of her recipes are Eastern European and many of them are written in her handwriting, which is so beautiful. And I love the idea that I could upload the recipes in her actual handwriting and make that part of the book. I swear I spend time looking at people's books and sort of in tears because I see the handwriting and I, I see families growing up. I mean, I'm just checking for like computing errors, but sometimes I go deep into the into the yeah. story of the people and I people live and they die. And, and I just feel very lucky to be able to help people preserve these special moments. That's so gorgeous. I have one recipe on lined notebook paper in my father's handwriting and it's for cornbread. What can I do with one recipe? Oh. What kind of a book can well, I make, can make with one book. recipe? Why don't you make a memoir book about your dad and add family photos and the recipe would just be one of the things. Because in the end, they're not really recipe books. They're sort of family memoirs. You could have family tree. You could have photos of your family. You could have stories that other people had written about your dad. I mean, it could be a whole tribute. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love this idea. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you got your mojo back. You're extremely talented as an interior design professional and the world needs more of you and and fewer of those bad clients. (laughs) Yeah. And and all the the strength and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Self-insurance to deal with those people and, and come out having learned a lot and being a better business person for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank thank you you for providing a a tool to help people do that. Well, I'm so grateful you were willing to share because I know she was, Virginie originally said, no, no, thank you. I'm like, no, you you have to, you must. (laughs) To come to your charm, Kimberly. (laughs) Oh, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being part of the business of design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today 